Welcome to Tech on Toast. The Tech on Toast podcast is powered by REMS Hospitality, using market data to grow your revenue. To find out more about Tech on Toast, head over to our website, techontoast.community, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, read all of our blogs, and search for the latest hospitality tech in our marketplace. Enjoy the show. Uh, welcome all to the next episode of Tech on Toast, and this week we've got a very special. We're in Brewdog in Waterloo, uh, and I've got two guests, and I can see the pub literally 200, what, what's that, feet? Not even that. Ten Less feet? than that. Well, in the pub. It. Yeah, it's close. I should introduce these people. Uh, we're with Chris Jolliffe, CRO at Cobas, and Katie Rose, CFO at Market Halls. Uh, Katie, ladies first, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm all right, I'm in the pub. We're all in yeah. the pub. <laughs> <laughs> We're winning. It's, it's going to be a o'clock. good day. <laughs> yeah. Just no beer yet, though. <laughs> to be fair, Chris Jolliffe always starts his day like this, I think. So, uh, Chris, how are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you, mate. Good to be here. Good to be with Tech on Toast. <laughs> He's been dying to get on. We've been banning him for months. But anyway, well, before we get into it, let's hear a bit about Market Halls. Tell us about, for anyone who doesn't know about Market Halls, what do you do there and what does what is Market Halls? So, Market Halls, uh, they are a, it's a big venue, which has uh, about eight different kitchens in and big bars. Um we generally are set up to get people in and have a good time. Uh, we want to be, give flexibility to customers uh, so people can come in and eat what they want, drink what they want, arrive at different times. So just making it really, really easy for people to come out and have a great time. Yeah, I, I'm sure tech plays its part in that as well, trying to make that operation easy. So eight like individual brands, though, so like almost like virtual brands but physically in a building. Yeah, they're not ours, so we don't run the food. Um, we get uh, independent traders in, um, and yeah, we try and keep it fresh and interesting and exciting for our guests. And then we run the bars. I'm acting like I've not been there. I've been there loads. <laughs> <laughs> I go there every time I'm in London. We, we know, Chris. <laughs> uh, Chris, you play a small part in this, I imagine. Uh, but what do you do at Cobas? Tell us a little bit about Cobas. Yes, I'm CRO at Cobas, so I look after all of the revenue streams, implementation, and support services for the business. Practice that, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> and what do you? Do, how do you guys meet then? How are you friends? Are you friends? Yeah. I think we're friends. Yeah. That yeah. Was a long time. <laughs> so funny enough, I actually met Katie when I worked in my previous role. Uh, she was a client then, um, and then when I moved over to Kerbas, um, you were going through a phase of restructuring the business yep. and, and making some changes. And we reached out, and you know, it's a complex operation that they have at Market Halls, and it's a growing um, sector. It's, it's food hall operations. Um, so I said what we had, what we can do. And at the time, there was some specific tech that we were developing for that sector. And, yeah, you took the punt, didn't you, really, yep. I suppose, because you didn't know anything about Kerbass. No, didn't know anything about it. Uh, trusted Chris from previous experience. Talked to the people that, you know, at the, you know, who designed Kerbass, which is always great, you know, when you meet the founders yeah. and, and hear what they're trying to do and just you know, kind of... Wanted to go on the journey with them, really. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Actually, that uh, an operator is actually speaking to the people who are building the tech, because uh, a lot of the times, if you're going through, I mean, it's the reason tech on toast exists, right? We try and help the buying process so you can get as informed as possible uh, before you actually pull the trigger. And uh, it's interesting that you guys uh, are talking uh, together about the actual people who built it before you get down that road. So you've got some real, I suppose, real understanding of what they wanted to achieve at the end of it. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, for me, I've been through so many situations where you are sold the dream by a salesman who doesn't necessarily know the product and you always you spend so much time trying to get under the skin of what, what is the reality. Um, 
and it was refreshing to talk to Chris. You know, he was quite open about, you know, no, we can't do this now, but your feedback's great. Um, we, we can see this on the development journey. Um, so I think for me, it's always really important to get under that sales level and, and to the right, the nitty gritty of what the product is. Yeah, you salespeople. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's true. Never, never trust a salesman. You literally can't do it. Why you're trust the optimist, not a salesperson. <laughs> and it's, it, it's interesting, Chris, because you come from a big company prior to Cobus as well. Um, can we say who they are? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So came from Tavalis and, um, and and then you came to Cobas and you obviously experienced a lot of pitches and you're in a lot of rooms with a lot of people talking about product. It, do you feel that pushback is that kind of, you know, I suppose five years ago it might have been different, but now everybody's buying tech frequently. Mm. Is that becoming, are you feeling that in this, in the buying process when you're, when you're out selling? Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, I, I get frustrated with the way that some um, clients or prospective clients go about buying solutions because I think too much of it is put on the, the, the sales approach. Um, you know, I can, we, we can put together in a vacuum a presentation that looks amazing and gives you all the buzzwords you need to have, but ultimately might not fulfill your requirements. Um, what I've always tried to do is have a more consultative approach and just go, well, look, here's, here's the pit, here's the shiny deck. You're going to love it because it's designed for you to love it. But actually, let's talk about what you've got, what you need and what you want. Um, and then once you understand those requirements, you can actually start setting those expectations because that is the biggest thing. Mm. Uh, I, you know, me and Katie had a conversation only recently where she's like, I want to do this thing. And I'm like, well, fine, but we've got, to, we've got to look at it. We've got to spec it. We've got to put it into production. A lot of people historically might have just gone, yeah, 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 no worries. We'll, we'll do that. And it doesn't help anybody. Um, but the, the latter part for me is, is people take that initial meeting or series of meetings as gospel. Um, you know, I'm trying to encourage people to ring up the support line of the of the companies that you're looking at. See what the support's like. Log a ticket, a support ticket, because that's a bugbear for a lot of businesses. You know, look at the reviews. Look at why the reviews are how they are. If there is a negative review, speak to that person and find out. If there's a positive review, speak to that person and find out. Because you, you, the, we're here ultimately to grow our brand and grow our business. And we're going to do it honestly, and some people don't. So it's all about trying to weed those people out, because they are there, uh, but a lot of people do operate on in good favour and with um, ultimately developing friendships in the industry. And it's really interesting, right? We, I put a review function on Tech on Toast, and um, I think we've had about 25, 30 reviews come through for various different um, uh, clients. And um, I think people are really resistant of reviewing or operators are really resistant of reviewing tech because I personally, I expected more, right? Because, you know, and people are sharing, saying they're on tech on toast. It's really interesting, actually, because I wouldn't, it wouldn't come naturally to me to think about reviewing something in that scenario, like, you know, review a hotel or a restaurant, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first thing I think about um, going to a review but would you feel, do you feel like because obviously it's a business relationship? Because when you're reviewing a restaurant or a hotel, it's some, it's a it's a it's a personal thing where you've stayed there or you've eaten something. But this is different, right? Because it's a business relationship where you're reviewing uh, a piece of tech that you might not be with forever, or you're not you know you might have uh, internal issues that no one knows about. So I, I wonder if that causes a bit of resistance sometimes when people want uh, asking for reviews. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm always happy to do um, kind of testimonials and and things like that. So. Um... I think the next step would be to do a review. I guess I've never been asked to put okay, something well, we'll down. We'll change paper, that right after this. You're gonna, <laughs> this is going to be a link in your inbox. And this is the thing that you, you, people do lean on reviews. And I could ask, I could ask Katie now. Look, here's a link. You just give us a review, and she'd give it because she's got the time to do it. But the inclination for her to do it off her own back is probably 
yeah. next to none. Mm. Yeah. Um, you do you do see a lot of people taking to reviews in, in act of frustration or to get a response. Yes. That's what you often do find is I can't get a response through the professional channel, so I'll actually just do go this route. Instead. Uh, and, and I've totally digressed, so I'm going to take it back to the subject. So, um, <laughs> and Katie, good topic there. No, no, no. It's interesting, and it's one of the reasons we're here, right? Because we're talking about supporting yeah, clients course. rather than just selling to them, right? And it's really and relationship building in any kind of business, let alone tech and hospitality, is absolutely key to growing. Yeah. And Katie, you described your business at the start, which is complex anyway by the nature of what you do. You mad people. <laughs> um, so, what kind of barriers are you facing? I suppose daily, like what what things are you up against that I suppose that tech could solve. By essence, does uh, you walk in the door on a, on a Monday morning? What are you faced with? So, I think the the complexity of our business is you know, makes a lot of things difficult straight away. So, how do we get eight independent traders and the bars operating separately, but in in cohesion and acting as one market hall. Ultimately, if someone goes and puts a review on the review in market halls, but it's nothing to do with us, you know, if someone's cooked something poorly or something. Um, so there's lots of complexities around that. Um, outside of our business specifically, the normal, you know, staffing is a huge issue. Um, How is that? Sorry. So, so I know it's everyone's struggling with it, but is it... Is it getting better? Is there any kind of <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel or does it feel the same? Well, we started off relatively well. I think we, we reopened after COVID and actually we're really lucky with bringing people back that had worked with us previously. So while there was a lot of noise about um, staffing, we felt quite lucky. Right. But we're now seeing, um, you know, we're now kind of with everybody else and seeing the difficulties. And I think a big problem is kind of managing. You can pint, kind of find people with skills. They can pour a pint. They've made a cocktail before. But can they greet a guest um, with a great smile? Can they naturally have a conversation with a guest? And those softer skills, especially as tech becomes more involved in the hospitality kind of customer experience how do you know those skills are so important and um you know quite difficult that you can't train them you've got to find those people i I agree i think it's probably the biggest opportunity if you're a training company right now right if you're listening to this or you're you're, you're dealing soft skills i don't think there's ever been a bigger opportunity because i I agree no i don't you know not just in hospitality but in the people we recruit at atollo that you find uh there's a lot of those skills of gone or they just haven't been coached in or the people who were coaching them in the industry have gone I don't know but it just seems to have there seems to be a big gap there yeah well, I think maybe you know maybe tech and social media and you know everything is you naturally that digital era hasn't it where communications yeah. less less often now. yeah I see it in my kids you know it's yeah. just a it, it's you know it's not like when when our you know our nams are around or my nan uh you know it's 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 different it, it's definitely different and that's bound to play a part Probably the first job we all had was probably in service. Yeah. I went behind a bar and you dealt with people every day, whereas kids nowadays don't, don't seem to have the drive to do those kind of jobs. Yeah, it's a very different world. And what, what else What else are you faced with? Obviously, you've got challenges. The actual nature of your, um, of your service, you've got obviously orders coming in from a, from a customer on the floor that will go to separate um, brands. Then, So can I order from two brands on the floor? Can I order from one? How does it work? So we have we introduced Cobash. Um, one of the main reasons was because of the ability um, for a customer to be able to order at their table from multiple kitchens right, okay. and the bar at the same time. And from a customer point of view, it felt like they were ordering from the the same venue. We haven't actually implemented that because what we've found is in 
our business, you know, we are called Market Halls for a reason. The market part of that is the browsing, the wandering around. And so we really struggle with finding, you know, how to make a journey really, really easy for a customer versus then, the, you know, that, that, that softer side of browsing. So we are bringing in um, the ability to order drinks from tables, but it's been a really difficult, you know, problem for us to solve. You know, Chris is really keen for us to get, you know, use the tech that's there and we're quite, you know, we want to do it quite carefully and, and make sure <laughs> that the customer, you know, we, we still give up the customer what they want. And it's hard because they want it to be easy, but they do also want to browse. And that's the thing as well. You have to be sympathetic to the organisation that's there. And um, we've got the tech for it. It's operational in other market hall concepts and it works really well. But I think it's quite admirable to see market halls take a step back and go, actually, that isn't our special source. It might uplift revenues by another 10%, it may not, but we're actually trying to stick by our morals here and go, well, we, we want people to wonder. We want people to take a look, have a nosy, look at different menus, talk about it, be busy on the floor. That's why their spaces are so large. And, and that tech's quite complex, though, what you're talking about there, as in the ability to be able to order from multiple vendors from a yeah, point of view. Yeah, it is. And I think even even just the setup architecture alone, regardless of the ordering piece, um, it's quite unique. So because the individual traders are essentially individual limited companies that are not le- that, that market halls are not legally responsible for, we, we have to, from a GDPR perspective and a data perspective, segment that information yep. so that it can be held in, in isolation from one another. So what we have actually created is uh, we, we call it parent and child servers. So within market halls, as an example, there's a, there's a server in the, in the back office um, and that hosts the parent company, uh, the parent server, which is in isolation, which is the market halls, bars and their details and payroll information, everything else. And then we have the individual traders as child venues, um, which are, again, individual in their own right. Um, Now, when you place an order with a trader, KT at Market Halls gets to see all that transactional information, that revenue information, because contractually that's their agreement they have with those operators. But from the customer's perspective, they will get, if they are that liable, a VAT receipt from that trader with their company information on. Similarly, if I go to the bar, I'll get a VAT receipt from market halls with their VAT information on. So we're, we're compliant in, in, in that regard, and it's making sure that tax liability sits clearly with the entity that's trading under that umbrella. Wow. I mean, I, I, what do the, so the customers want to browse? Because I, I, I get it. I went to the one, there's one in um, Seven Dials? Yeah, Seven Dials. Yeah, I went to Seven Dials, sorry, uh, the other week. And, um, I, but, I wonder, but I wanted to have a browse, right? There's uh, Mackie, uh, Mackie Mayer up in Manchester as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and I was there the other week and I was just browsing. And I, I kind of get what you're saying. I think it's kind of nice to be able to get up and have a wander around and just kind of look because you want it's the sights, the smells, it's the mm. old visual stuff, eye level, buy level, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what about the brands? What do they want? Do they want the customer to be able to order from, uh, or are they quite, or are they quite like, I want my. From my perspective, it? I'd say they would want as many revenue verticals live as possible because they see it as money. Yeah. Um, that's my, my opinion anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm counter that argument. <laughs> um, well, we operate, so our traders operate out of small kitchens right. and with small teams. So, actually, having a queue at a kitchen is beneficial for them from a, you know, a 
delivery point of view, they haven't got people waiting ages for food because it's managed naturally by the queue. If they had lots and lots and lots of orders hit at a you know at the same time, it's going to be really difficult for them to to offer a great experience for the customer. So I think you know, the the nature again of our business you, and the text there that you, we could manage the amount of orders in any set time, etc. Um, but it would be quite difficult for them to be hit. And do you, can you see, like, because I imagine, say you had eight brands, is there, obviously there's a most popular and there's a least popular because that's just the nature of our businesses. Is there one or two particular kind of heroes of the of the hall, as it would be? Yep. So um, anyone who's been to a market halls will have probably experience the uh, GoPals queue. <laughs> <laughs> the food. <laughs> People will come from far and wide to um, have GoPals and quite happily queue for it. Um, other, you know, other people will just maybe they've come in for a go pal, see the queue, but try something else. Um, it's quite varied. Yeah, no, no. I, I, well, maybe I'll visit afterwards. Actually, I'm feeling peckish now. Just talking <laughs> about uh, what other tech are you using in your business then? What are, so you've got uh, obviously you're working with Cobas. Uh, what else do you do? You need guest experience. What else do you use in there? So we've been very tech light um, for a long time, and we're only really just starting to move forward in that. Like we've spent. Been so busy much time. Up venues, yeah, they? I mean, it's been <laughs> the past kind of year has, has been really rebuilding, reopening, and really surviving. You know, we've been just doing everything that we can to save the business. Um, it's we're great. It's a great position now. We're you know we've got three successful venues, and we're looking forward. So now all of these conversations are really relevant. Um, the what we're really focusing on now is that kind of um, interaction with guests. So we've moved away from Mailchimp to. Um, airship which we're hoping you know enables us to collate more data you're on the show tomorrow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally in this room tomorrow but yeah hi guys i've got yeah. two of them at once so yeah it's gonna be horrific <laughs> in a nice way if you're listening uh, but yeah. um so you know how we interact with our customers really a focus and what you know we'll definitely be using different tech on that but we're we're kind of taking baby steps really we're at we're probably quite way behind everybody else. But again, we want to do it right. We want to know, we don't, before jumping into a massive solution, we want to know what we want that solution to look like. Um, so we're taking it quite slowly. And then another big focus will be people and what tech we can use to improve our, uh, you know, attracting uh, staff, retaining staff, training staff. So we're just implementing Flow. Um, which we think will be, you know, make a huge difference for our staff. Um, we're moving to fourth hospitality, which we think will be, you know. So many people listening right now are crying, going, what about us? It's all right, Kate. At least, at least you've got something in place, otherwise you'll be very busy after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's definitely a focus, and it's great that, that we're now in a position where we can think about that. Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting that world of tech having delved in it now for a couple of years uh, the, obviously they believe heavily in their product as chris does uh and they you know for them it's like now put it enabling you now we can make your business better and actually they may be right but the reality is that you've got so many other priorities in your life that you have to deal with in terms of especially after the pandemic bringing the business back that actually this is the operator's priority. And it's interesting, isn't it? So from your process where you're trying to sell in, that's what it is, right? So yep. when you're trying to gather new clients, wherever it might be, the, the, your priority is this. And the operator's priority often is down here unless it's a problem today, you know? This brings us back to the original conversation. Is It's all about that relationship. So yep. it's like I'm, I'm 
Kitty knows where I stand with it all. I'd love all my tech everywhere, but it's just not it's just not going to happen. And you know, we're in where we have conversations where we'll talk about what's available and we'll discuss and we'll come to a conclusion that it's probably not right for the business right now. You know, when they were when they were consolidating and just trying to get through the storm, if you like, it was a case of she just kind of went, just make sure we can operate and do a thing. That's all we want to do right now and get money in. And that's what we did. We stayed in our lane. We did what we needed to do. And then slowly now we're starting to bolt on applications. We're starting to work with third parties. And, and slowly you, you're building up more of our tech stack as well. And it's the right approach to have because everybody's got more priorities than just buying tech. And they've got to run a business. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's weird, isn't it? When you live in the world that I'm living in at the moment, because I speak to a lot of people like Chris daily, uh, and you know, man. and their, their, their job <laughs> is to you know sell their product. And then the operator's job is to serve customers. So it's a very, it's like, and then never the twain shall meet. And somewhere in the middle, we've got to kind of find this way of where, where it works, which takes me on nicely to my next question. So you've already explained this a little bit, but the buying process of tech, where you would, um, you explained the way you met with Cobas. But if you had a, carte blanche and you just talked about their baby steps how would you like to i suppose understand the tech you want to buy or where would you go and look for it how would you kind of uh, start having those conversations or is is there no process um at the moment we kind of operate <laughs> on a, not it's not very process driven um who no, buys no, but the i don't beers? think it's for anyone right but uh, it's just interesting to understand because i've never actually i think when people are talking to operators that are talking about a set product they're about mm-hmm. to sell you or you've Press the need, and they're talking. But I, I wonder if you know how how would you go out and find you know. So if you're looking for new furniture, if you're looking for new cutlery, if you're looking for a team, there's there's often a way you would do it. I wonder what how that exists when it comes to buying hospitality tech. So the tech shows, the hospitality shows are great. Um, they're great even when you're not looking for tech to um, meet people, talk to people, yeah. the networking, bump into people, and talk about what they're using um, and things like that. Um, and just starting, just having contacts and conversations with people and keeping those conversations going, even if you're not necessarily looking for something at that time. Um, and then once you're kind of looking for something specific, I think it's for me, I want to move away from that, like you said, sitting in a room with a presentation and getting under the skin you know, going to see the developers, or you know, go, you know, seeing where it, you know, all the magic happens. Why? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and not just being sold a dream, like really being able to unpick it, break it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in Katie's head right now. I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, quite, I'm quite annoying. <laughs> No, no, but I, I think you share an annoying trait with most operators, right? Because I, when I was not rare, I was the same. I was very much obsessed with why, what will I get out of it, what's the return look like, how quick will I get it, you know, and not, we're also very impatient, right? Because once we spend our money on something, we probably want to see the return, you know, fair, or some improvement fairly fairly quickly. And do you get that pushback quite a lot? I mean, because you, you sit in the buying process at the end, really. I suppose you'll start it off maybe with the conversation, yeah. but at the end, you, to close a sale... Uh, you have to kind of convince the operator because this is because they haven't used your tech, right? At this no, point. exactly. It's difficult. Like you, you often find, you can. I mean, I'm probably giving a bit of a lifting up the hood a little bit here, but <laughs> when it, whenever you're going into a pitch and, and people are very honest, they'll, they'll often tell you who you're up against and who who's who's bidding into it. And I've been in the industry best part of a decade, so I, I know what people's price points are. I know what their USPs are. I know how they would have sold it. I know what references they would have given. So I, I can understand how to position it to give ourselves the best opportunity of securing the business. But, you know, it, there's a lot of businesses out there that want every bit of business that's available in the market at all costs, no matter what. Yeah. Whereas last year, I think we, we, 
we probably turned down like quarter of a million pounds worth of revenue because either it wasn't a good fit for our business, we couldn't deliver on the tech requirements that they wanted, or we just bowed out because the commercials weren't right for us at the time. Yeah. And as when I decided to move away uh, from a previous company, that was kind of what I was looking for, oddly, was an environment where with with myself and the other the other board members, we can go, actually, this isn't going to be right for us. Let's step back. And that, as a commercial person, it's like jumping in a bath of acid. It's <laughs> <laughs> painful. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's not something that comes lightly at all. Um, but it, it's why I chose to join a board, which was me as a commercial and two tech people, because the decisions are always commercially led. Let's get the new shiny thing. Let's get revenue in. Yeah. It's let's be stable. Let's consider our, our run rate. Let's consider what developments we've got on the roadmap. And it's really refreshing to see from that point as well. No, I, th- I think that's absolutely key. And you talked about relationships right at the start. And I think when I've had problems in the past with, a, you know, a, whether it be a tech solution or a, just a supplier, a veg supplier, whatever, relationship always saves it, right? Or, yeah. or, or gets you to the point. It's like a marriage. Gets you <laughs> to the point of having, if it's, if it's half decent, you'll probably find a way of fixing it. And is that the same for you, Katie, when you're dealing with suppliers generally? Do you find that when you've got those awkward relationships, they're easier to cut away? I suppose this is an obvious question. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you know, part of having those relationships as well is that you are both on a journey together. So what I know kind of working with Cobas and other people we work with is that their tech is evolving as the, the world evolves. And I think that's never you know more key as it is yeah, now. It probably, 10 years ago, it probably, it probably wasn't so relevant. So what quite often we found ourselves, the you know, situation we found ourselves in was we get a piece of tech in that is you know top of the market at the moment um it's it's trailblazing and then suddenly they stand still like but the business is moving on and they're not developing anymore they're like well we're really successful now we've done our job and so then you're out looking again and that's i really hope that we work with now you know companies that are on that journey as well and that we're adapting we've all got to be really agile now um especially kind of post-covid i think a lot of covid made a lot of people change how they worked i think a lot of tech companies specifically um there was a lot of development going on it had to do and they wouldn't have survived otherwise a lot of tech companies seeded during covid as well Mm. they found it as they found it as an opportunity and we we always saw tech companies developing and coming out coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden but it really did give it a shot of adrenaline and people were People are coming out left, right and centre. Every disaster is an opportunity. That's what my dad told me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true though, isn't it? That, yeah. that when those things come along, that um, and obviously we've only had one in our lifetime, that it, it's, um, it, it does make you look for, I mean, the first bit is panic <laughs> and, you know, what we're doing. Then within, what, three, four months of it happening, I think most people were kind of inwardly looking, going, right, what's our plan? Let's go, kind of thing. And I think tech was the same. And obviously a lot, as you're seeing now, a lot of them, lot sprang up that no one had ever heard of and some are starting to drift away now and um there's some buying each other out you know there might be some some different deals going on but it's interesting right and it's definitely changed and what is your personal understanding like of tech i'm I'm not a techie so i don't understand the kind of what goes on behind it all but i'm very very passionate about it i've always been really interested in it i i kind of pick it up quite quickly I um, I'm trying hard to lose the nickname Till Lady at um, Market Halls. <laughs> it's not getting lost. <laughs> Till Lady, that's such uh, a northern thing. <laughs> so I, you know, I will. 
I love learning. You know, I, I always want to understand everything that's gone in, and I love learning learning it. And um, I'm, I'm really passionate about finding things that make you know us that work harder for us, smarter for us, um, and make things easier. Yeah, I think informing and being educated is huge, right? For someone in your role now, actually, to understand it. Have you noticed the change in that, Chris? That actually, as you're meeting more and more people, as you're going into boardrooms or wherever you do your business, normally uh, building yeah. sites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but have you found that the education piece actually the other side is improving, or do you think there's still quite a big it, gap? It, it is. Side? It is, but the it, it is improving. It is. People, people are becoming a lot more tech savvy nowadays. I think the access to the internet and the access yeah. to online information and a lot more tech companies now are having knowledge base articles. And yeah things like that and generally just having content that's uh, a lot more accessible and um, so people are getting educated in that in that regard but the the biggest thing for me is that the, the shiny bit of it the shop window i call it of the google ads kind of like effect and you know we've just been invested by 150 million like those things still have a massive draw to to businesses you know we're under no illusion that we're bootstrapped as a business you know we we have no burn rate but equally, all of our profits go back into staff and growing year on year. Um, we don't we don't bring in a huge amount of revenue every year. It's as a new business because we're trying to be on a sustainable growth journey. If you all of a sudden lump in something huge, um, or, or in terms of the number of clients, then it has a negative effect on the product and the people within it. So it's all about trying to grow it sustainably. Now, the people that have got loads of money back in, they're they're, they're often front and centre of loads of operators because they've got all this money to market to basically industry. Um, so it'd be nice for people to start understanding, you know, let's try and search for an organic provider that can provide the solution that we have, not just number one spot on Google. But, and also reflects your business maybe, right? I was talking to a Southwest-based bakery company and I was saying to them, maybe pick someone who looks like you, you know, who operates like you. You know, they, they're very, not secretive, but they work in a really nice way. They build, they build, they build, and they're, and they're a really lovely people-centric business, right? And I was just saying, be careful who you go and go work with because, obviously, you want to match what you do. And I, when you were talking then, I'm, and obviously the big restaurant chains or leisure chains that behave in that way that raise lots of money and go off and do their thing are, are different to maybe some of the other people in the industry. Yeah. And actually, I think matching you're going to work with is really key because the pace as you said before katie actually is really key in the way they operate and being agile but agile at your pace mm. yeah. not keep throwing you features every 10 seconds going what about this what about this yeah. what about this so yeah i think i think it's a really good point chris that's your first one you've made well done you get a badge <laughs> take on toast badge for chris <laughs> and what about the future katie what do you think will happen got um was it four sites now three sites three sites forthcoming not, I'd say. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, <laughs> I love that. So we are now very much, it's been a really quick transition from um, surviving, rebuilding, taking a very, very quick breather, and then, right, what's the future? Um, I mean, our CEO, Andy, who's the founder, does not stand still, so he's always looking for the next he's thing. He's Welsh. Why would he stand still? <laughs> he gets a badge too. <laughs> he gets a badge too. <laughs> so, yeah, so we are very much now on the, you know, we want to uh, start celebrating market halls. We've kept quite quiet. You know, we've been we've been off the radar a bit, doing our own thing, getting back to where we need to be. Um, now we want to celebrate that. We are looking at expansion. Um, we're looking at growing. Um, so it's really exciting, really exciting to finally be looking forward and, and doing things like that. And if I could build a bit of tech for you with Chris um, tomorrow that would solve a problem for you, which what would you like? <laughs> I think it's going to go way off 
doesn't Pause matter. You could, anything, you could pick but... up. There's no budget. <laughs> Your boss isn't listening. It's all good. So our biggest, I think, one of the biggest problems we've got at the moment is you know the the costs, you know, cost rising everywhere. Yeah. And for us, we you know we've got eight kitchens, bars. Our utility costs are huge. I bet. Um, and Gosh, yeah. but at the same time, we've got over a thousand people walking in our venues every day. Sure, are we not producing lots of energy in our venues? We've got food waste. We've got, I don't know, would it be kinetic energy? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I like it. If yeah. we could harness all of that, and and there's a huge sustainability part of that as well, you know, that would be amazing. And you know, cut costs, be great for the planet. Some developers on this listen to this podcast right now thinking, right. You could probably do it. You could probably do it, but it'd be so expensive that um, you know, <laughs> that it negates the cost of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Completely digressing, but actually, it's an interesting point. When I used to operate nightclubs uh, for my sins, or that's where I did my sins. I can't remember which it is. Um, there was talk at that time, and this was years ago, of having uh, these dance floors that essentially, when people were on it, jumping about and things like that, it would it would convert that energy. Into electricity. Is that how they dance in the north? Jump. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just jump about. They just jump up and down. Pogo. <laughs> That's great. What about you, Chris? Because obviously the, the industry is changing. I mean, as Katie said, it's changing daily at the moment, right? There's there's so much going on, and I wonder if sometimes it will just plateau for a bit, and everyone will just sit still. But it doesn't really feel like it. It feels like we're looking for the next opportunity all the time. What do you think? I think it, it needs to be turned on its head a little bit. Everyone's looking at a function that they can deliver. To the industry, how can I sell you sell more of what you offer? Yeah. <clears throat> I think we need to look at it differently now because the, the, there's only so many revenue verticals you can put in on on consumption of someone's goods, and um, we're, we're kind of maxing it out with delivery, with online ordering, with in-store house ordering, with bar service, and everything else. Um, I think we need to really look at the industry, and if we're going to save it, it needs to have something that is going to be able to generate that operator revenue through the information, energy, whatever it might be that it's already created. Yeah. Because ultimately, things that uh, an operator produces is valuable to people, other people in other sectors. Therefore, how can we harness that? Get, get Chris as the CEO. Right, listen, well, look, I've taken up enough of your time. I brought you to the pub, so you can't, you can't complain. Uh, Katie, if people want to find out about Market Halls, where do they go? How do they find you? Um, we are located just opposite Victoria Station, just by um, Oxford Street, um, just by Oxford Circus Tube, and in Canary Wharf, just outside the Elizabeth Line. And you can find us at www.markethalls.co.uk. Like a pro. That's rehearsed. I, I tell you what, the Elizabeth Line, I bet you love that. Oh, it was amazing. It's the best yeah, line, it's ever. brilliant. I'm not being funny. I, I live in Cardiff, if you know that. But uh, you can't get the I just come down here. Cardiff. If I could, I would. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I literally say, say to my business partner, let's just go on the Elizabeth Line. We're not going there. It doesn't matter. Let's just go. It's such a pleasure to ride it. <laughs> but I mean, for business, just the fact that people are coming straight through and popping up um, outside your place must be great. Yeah, it is phenomenal. It made a huge impact. I mean, Canary Wharf, um, we opened just before the Elizabeth Line opened and trade was good straight away. Um, the Elizabeth Line opened and it went up 26%. Well, the thing is, it's, it, it makes it accessible, accessible from Excel. Yeah. You can actually go somewhere from the Excel. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I was cursing the Excel uh, previously, but now, actually, you can just get one train from Paddington. <laughs> and again, just the reason to ride the Elizabeth line. It's great. Uh, so, and Chris, what about Cobas? Um, obviously, you're on our marketplace, so you can find them there. Absolutely. Uh, what, where, how else can we find you guys? Uh, on the website, cobas.co.uk, um, on socials. What about you? Are you going to give your email out? Or just, you... give, just give me a call. 
You're not going to, don't give your phone number up. <laughs> he's on LinkedIn, to be safe. He's on LinkedIn. Okay. What's your surname? Jolliffe. Jolliffe. Good job spelling it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Right, we're all off for a, a 12 o'clock beer. Um, so uh, that was Tech on Toast podcast. Thanks, guys. And uh, we we'll look forward to seeing you all soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week to find out who we've got coming up, or you can go and check out techontoast.community to find out more about what we're up to. Have a great week. Thank you.